0: The Lunch Break 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 Podcast. Podcast. What's going on, everybody? James Bodden here. We are now broadcasting the Lunch Break Podcast, and I have my guest, the esteemed James Say What Sales Buckley, on the show today, and I'm really excited. Instead of me introducing him, I don't think anybody could do it any better than himself. So I'm going to hand it over to James. James, tell us who you are, then we can get into it.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, James. I appreciate the invite. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. I've never had a bad experience talking to you, so this is a blast. I really, I'm excited about this because it's a great platform to be on. My name is James Buckley. I go by James hashtag say what sales Um, I started Say What Sales because I knew what I needed to know when I first started in sales. And I know that every day, thousands of salespeople start in the industry brand new. And there's so much surface level value that those people need right away if they are going to develop into a strong sales performer at their companies. So I wanted to start that so that Salespeople would constantly be gravitating towards these tips, tricks, things that they could take and make their own and adopt into their daily routines to find success. Uh, I've f- I formerly worked at Cirrus Insight, the number one Salesforce and inbox integration tool in the world. And recently I've moved to Ringlead, which is a huge data management platform out of New York City. So I'm really excited to be joining that team and being able to create content and have this big focus on. Data quality and how it directly affects sales.
0: I love it, man. I love it. And uh, just kind of getting right into it, I love that you created this hashtag around, say, what sales with new salespeople in mind.
1: Right.
0: So, talk to us about how you got started in sales. How did how did you end up? starting on a path that, that that's led you to creating a hashtag that, right. that empowers new salespeople.
1: Yeah. So I actually started my career in the culinary world. I spent 15 years in the kitchen and what that gave me was this incredible communication gift. And what I mean by that, and I talked about this earlier with Brandon from seamless, but like you have to be a strong communicator in the kitchen because too many different people are trying to put food on the same plates so you have one guy cooking a steak, you got another guy down here frying fries, you got another guy doing the baked potatoes or you know peppers or whatever it might be on the flat-top grill. So everybody's like, how long on a steak? Five minutes. All right, I gotta drop the potato skins so they're done at the same time as the steak, right? If you're doing it right, everything's coming together at the same time. So there's a lot of communication. Somebody might come in and say, I need a steak mid-rare. And you're like, heard that steak mid-rare? Then five seconds later, they're like, how long on that steak mid-rare? You're like, five minutes on that steak mid-rare. There's a lot of back and forth communication. And then uh, in and out of the kitchens that I worked at, I would take like a year off from the kitchen and I would go do sales door-to-door B2B, door-to-door residential, and I really cut my teeth in the solo sales door-to-door realm. That was where I did all of my best sales work. So... That was kind of like this thing that told me this big red flag in my brain that was like, hey, I'm kind of good at this. You know, (laughs) people like talking to me, which is half the battle in sales. So it was a really easy transition for me to just say, you know what? I'm going to go back to college. I'm going to get a degree. Uh, Fortunately for me, my wife signed me up for college and I didn't want to go. Uh, What do you do when your wife signs you up for something? You go, right? So, So I signed up. I went to college. I was really mad that she put me in college. I was like, man, I'm not going to go. I don't want to do it. And she was like, just give me one semester, and if you don't like it, you can quit. And sure enough, within a couple of weeks, I fell in love with the experience and all the friends I had made. Uh, so, you know, there ping pong tables out there in college. It was like a lot of fun. So, I ended up getting a degree in writing communications, and I minored in sociology. It took me five years. Uh, I was on welfare, I was getting food stamps while I was in college for the first couple of years, uh, and then when that ran out, I had to start working full-time and going to school full-time while still having four children to look after with my wife. It was a lot of pressure, uh, but in the end, I came out with this degree from a very prestigious college, Maryville College here in small-town Maryville, population 30,000, Maryville, Tennessee. Um, the cows outnumber the people, I'm pretty sure, uh, so... Uh, I, I, I got this Facebook post. My friend Alan from Cirrus Insight uh, at the time posted on Facebook that they were looking for sales reps. Uh, so I said, hey, man, I have some sales experience. I'd love to talk about it. And he hooked me up with their business development director. And fast forward four years, I was a top performer there. I was consistently crushing it, setting up demos. I was an SDR that just couldn't be stopped. Um, a year into the, into the ride, I, I created Say What Sales And it went really quick. I started writing articles. People started calling me saying, let's get on a podcast together. Uh, Similar to this, right? Like, you know me because you follow my content. You're like, man, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Like, this is how people build a personal brand. And now that's become my specialty is talking to people about branding and why it's important to build a personal brand unto yourself that is separate from the company you work for. Mm.
0: Wow. All right. Well, you said about hundred things that I want to kind of dissect I, I was writing feverishly as you were talking um, so first, I love how you could extrapolate what you experienced in the kitchen yeah, and immediately we were able to see, wow, okay, these are skills that I've developed that aren't necessarily skills that you Need to become a chef? No. Oh. In an interview, I mean, so it's very interesting because they're kind of these uh, secondary skills that are developed, and then you have the self awareness to say, "Oh, well, these are skills that are useful." Yeah. And these are skills that uh, will allow me to go maybe do something different. So, I think that is because as I've talked to people here on the podcast and just over you know the last year and a half over LinkedIn, like we've connected, everybody has a different story of how they got into sales and it's always completely unique to their experience. But I've noticed one thing, it always involves some sort of self-aware moment where a light bulb kind of clicks or maybe it's a self-aware moment out of sheer desperation, I mean, if I think about why I got into sales, I just needed a damn job <laughs> and was literally going through my mind thinking, oh God, what what skills do I have? What can I do naturally that will allow me to be hired by somebody and, and talking, yeah. you know, talking is one of them, right? So I love that. And uh, the fact that when you were talking about, how you cut your teeth and and door to door. I mean, that is doing those kind of, like you put it, solo sales guy missions. Yeah. It's, it's like building a sales super person. It's (laughs) the, it's the foundation because uh, everybody that I know that has, their roots really in in that b or door to door, person to person, retail, face to face, interaction. It's just always serves as such a great foundation because when you go into the world that you ended up in, the B2B world, the world that I ended up in, the B2B world, there's this layer of gratitude that I have because I know what it's like to be in a mall kiosk for 12 hours a day, yep. selling cell phones, you know what it's like to be walking door to door. And mm-hmm. so,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, and and then, so when I have moments of like, where I'm sitting at my, you know, desk, desk and yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, okay, yeah.
1: Well, I, think there's some, I think there's some advantages, right? Like when, when I moved over to um, the B2B SaaS industry, What I realized was that I had a luxury that I didn't have on the other side of the fence. The luxury was that I was able to manage a pipeline and have multiple touches on a single prospect at multiple levels. I could get five, six touches in with a CEO. That's like after the fifth touch is like, stop it. I'm not interested. But then their VP of sales is like, can we hop on a call on Thursday? Right. It's that same. It's like you don't have that luxury when you're door-to-door residential or when you're, I mean, I guess you do. I, I was very famous for coming to the same neighborhoods multiple times and knocking or,
0: on Yeah. Or that, I feel like that approach might get you arrested if you go on the knock uh, front door and then go around the back door.
1: <laughs> nearly, nearly had me arrested a couple of times. I mean, I'm not even going to lie to you. I had a couple of dogs. I had a couple of dogs sicked on me. I had a gun pulled on me once or twice uh, I'll tell you this story. This is like one of the craziest sales stories that I have. So I was with a very famous pest control company, and they've been around for since like 1901. Really well known, right? The, the logo is there. Everybody knows what you do. Yeah. And I was at a place called Morristown, Tennessee. It's a small town in East Tennessee. Uh, very small, like population like 4,000, 5,000, 5, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Really small. Yeah. And I was passing out my cards at this gas station, right? I'm sitting there in the truck it's got the logo people are walking by I'm like hey you know if you ever need anything here you go here you go here you go next day i get this call from this lady and she's like i want you to come and do a free inspection right so i said okay so I not, dropped. not not a regular inspection we're doing like free inspections which is essentially your your window in yep. to be able you give them a quote and tell them they have a problem or yep. explain to them what they need to do to solve that problem. You understand, right? It's the hook. Let me do a, a free you know, so, so I get to this door and the, the place is, is relatively run down and it looks like no one's there. There's no cars in the driveway. I'm like, huh, this is odd. I knock on the door and this woman opens the door naked as the day she was born. And her first words to me are, I'm trying to make 20 bucks. What's up?
0: Wow. She was talking about a completely different type of inspection, James.
1: I was not prepared for this at all. To say uh, that. I took wow. two steps back. I gave her $20 and I said, this is not my scene. I got to go. And I left. Yeah. <laughs> what was I love that you gave her $20. I did. I mean, what? Like that's, you got guts, lady. That's <laughs> crazy. Right. And here you go. I'm gone. So, you know what?
0: I think you probably paid her that $20 to be able to tell this story over and over again.
1: I I love this story. It's one of my favorite sales stories. to tell. What ended up happening was her neighbor saw the whole thing happen from her kitchen window. And she called me. She went over to this neighbor's house and got my card from her and then called me and said, Hey, were you just at so-and-so's house in Morristown? And I said, yeah, I left already. That lady is insane. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. She's crazy. I think I have roaches because she has roaches. Ah. Can you come back? So I came back. I parked in the neighbor's yard this time. I walk. She opens the door. We have a whole conversation about the crazy neighbor. And we ended up signing her up for monthly pest control. So I ended up getting a sale regardless of this crazy woman. But that's the kind of stuff that I think really resonates with salespeople that do door to door because you have to overcome those obstacles (laughs) And know when to cut that bait like this is definitely not for me <laughs> yeah well it
0: teaches you those valuable lessons i mean because the truth of the matter is when the reason that it is so valuable when you work door-to-door or retail is you, anytime you have direct contact with the public in large amounts yep. it you're going to run into crazy scenarios, and 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 it teaches you things about sales. It teaches you things about life. It, it's just so valuable. And conflict resolution, completely. Um, to to your point, it's um, it, it's literally uh, allowed you to go on and do something that you know at this point you probably couldn't have thought of this what you're doing now?
1: When I started the hashtag SayWhatSales, I never expected it to go as far as it's gone. Um, I never thought for one second that people would be calling me saying, I want your advice or tell me what you think about this workflow or my sales guys are struggling with obstacles. Can you help them overcome those? Uh, That's not what I had intended, but it ends up happening that way very organically. And I think that's really what makes people you know, icons in the in the industry, in the space, is that something that they've done becomes this other thing that they didn't even really intend for it to be. I really just wanted to give tips to people that were starting in sales so that they could come in and be successful as soon as possible, right? By just having daily tips given to them and saying, I'm going to put that into practice today, or I really like how that sounds, I'm going to say it that way, yeah. or You know, the way that he said that really made it feel different. So I'm going to say it that way now moving forward. I put out one that was interesting. One of my favorite videos I put out, it was a car video. I'm like in the car. You've probably seen a few of mine like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I I did one where I said, and it was a John Barrows tip. Like I got this tip from John Barrows and John Barrows says it all the time. But I was like, this is one of the most valuable tips that I've ever gotten. So I'm going to give it out to everybody. I put my contact information at the back of my voicemails not in the front. So it's against everything that we have an instinct to say, right? We want to start off by saying, hi, my name is James and I'm with Ringlead and we do data management, right? The problem is you haven't earned the right for that person to give a shit who you are or what you do. So I now leave messages that say, what's up? I'm calling about data management. We do uh, lots of lead generation, lots of pipeline workflow, lots of cleansing data cleansing lots of removal of du- duplicate records at ringlead and by the way this is james my number is and what it does is two things it forces your prospect to listen to the entire value proposition before they know who's calling them and get the contact info and if yep. you screw up you can hang up and they never know who you are <laughs> i love it i love
0: it it's completely foolproof and it's i think that idea of taking a tip that was useful to you and sharing it to your network. I mean, that's essentially, really, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to connect with you when we first talked was because I could recognize that you and I were doing the same thing on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. growing organically. Yeah. There are, and there are several people that do this. And, and it's interesting to see, how it progresses because you look at, uh, somebody like Keenan, for example. Yeah. That guy is, I've followed him for long enough to watch that organically. Just it's like turning over every year. The harvest is bigger every year and it's really the backbone of it is his direct, useful, valuable advice that he gives.
1: Yeah, I couldn't admire that guy any more than I do. Um, the book Gap Selling changed a lot for me. Um, the way that I approach my prospects, the way that I uh, think about what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it, the way yep. that I break down a need has definitely shifted as a result of Kenan's book Gap Selling. I can't recommend that book enough to people out there that are either just starting in sales or veterans in sales. Like it's, yeah, it doesn't you, matter with that one. It does not matter with that one. That is universal skills... That will change everything about the way you go through your daily routines in, in the sales role um, so that I love that book I, I've read it three times already i'm on my third time reading it i'm almost done and each time I have different like notes in the margin that I add something different um, and I you know for for me, I think what made him successful is the same thing that that's made me successful, and that's the consistency with which we deliver content mm-hmm. they don't they, people people overthink what they want to get their point across they want to do. 10, 15, 30-minute videos,
0: mm-hmm.
1: by by the end of the fifth minute, people are like, all right, I get it, right? Or I can't sit here and watch this all day. No That's way. why all of my videos are short and to the point they're small, bite-sized pieces of content. I've written enough articles. I can, I can write articles for days, and I put them out on Fridays because people read them on weekends. They don't read them on Monday at 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Yep. Yeah, the way people consume content has shifted in such a way that, as a sales professional, we have to recognize those shifts. And we have to adjust the way we deliver our content accordingly.
0: And not only that—that uh, that just works for for so many parts of of what we've talked about. Uh, it's kind of staying on the personal branding, because I think this is valuable because you. Happen. I mean, I, I'm thinking to myself about, you know, the videos and, and you're never really selling anything.
1: No, no, it's that's because that's not what content is about. And I think that's what marketers sometimes lose sight of, right? Marketers. So here's the thing is that my, my contention is that in 2019 and 2020, marketing and sales alignment is the thing that needs to take place. That's the focus that we've lost sight of. Yep. Yeah. Preach. Because, because, yeah, because marketing should be assisting sales in making the right connections, right? The content that gets put out by marketing, when people engage with it, salespeople are the people that need to be reaching out and saying, thanks for that engagement. I'd love to chat sometime. What was your favorite part of the article? Why did you download the white paper? Why yep. did you click that link? I'd love to talk about that. What are you looking for? What problem are you trying to solve? This is the job of salespeople. But what marketers feel is that they're in competition with the salespeople. We want, we want that trial start. We want to schedule that demo. We want, we, we need it, right? Yeah. That that makes both of those departments completely juxtaposed.
0: Mm-hmm. Because and we're at the no company. sense.
1: And the excuse, the excuse you give that people say is. Well, salespeople, especially outbound salespeople, have no business talking to inbound leads. Okay, so like, I'm supportive of that to a degree, but sure. if your account executives do, let's say 10 demos a day, but five of them aren't even qualified, that's time that they've spent demoing product that never is gonna get purchased.
0: Yeah, wasted time.
1: Wasted time, all because you wanted to avoid a salesperson qualifying this lead?
0: Yeah. Well, you get into trouble. Yeah. You get into trouble when you start creating arbitrary hard lines.
1: I look, if somebody literally comes through a website and requests a demo, send that to an account executive. I absolutely understand that. But if somebody downloads a white paper and you have their contact information, that's not the green light to send a marketing email to them with shit tons of content and links and say, click here to schedule a demo. You know nothing about that person, their job, their role. All you know is that they downloaded a white paper. That's all you know.
0: There's no context and it's one of, so this idea of creating a a system where sales and marketing are aligned and marketing is assisting salespeople and salespeople are giving feedback to marketing about what's
1: working and what's not working. Salespeople are the front line. They hear what the customer wants more than marketing. Because marketing is not customer facing. Traditionally, some outliers exist, obviously. But traditionally speaking, marketing is is essentially non-customer facing. If that's true, then the only thing that salespeople need from marketers is who's engaging with what so I can start a conversation with them, right? And the thing that, the other, the, the, the other part of it is that they need to learn from marketing how to deliver a message, right? Big because people have that in spades. They know how to get attention. They know yep. how to create traction. They know when and where to share information so that they can collect the information that they need to be able to execute. That's yeah. what marketers are good at. Salespeople, historically, are not good at this. No. Well, uh, one of the best
0: things I did this December, as we were planning to, for January here was take all of our content that we had written as, as a sales team and give it to our content marketing strategists. Do you, the, the emails that came out of, of uh, once they uh, went through our brains and then went through the hands of marketing what we got at the end of it was so much better powerful than anything, yeah. than anything that marketing alone could have written or sales alone could have written and yep. so that it's collaboration like
1: collaboration is so golden yep. and it's so rare that it happens you know and I try to tell people all the time like stop trying to scale on marketing mm. like you you need a marketing team like don't misunderstand me if it needs to be a large marketing team that's fantastic yeah That's not what scales when it comes to sales. When it comes to sales, people are what scales. Sales people. People that know how to do this. They know how to connect. They know how to build something with another person. They know how to relate. They know how to break down those defense walls that everybody has. That's what scales. So as long as marketing is creating content, then salespeople should be leveraging that content to create connection. That's if they're getting the connection, then they should have no problem starting a conversation. And yeah. if they're having conversations, they should lead to relationships. Those relationships turn into opportunities. Those opportunities turn into sales. That's not rocket science. No. That's 2,000-year-old that human nature instinct that people yep. have.
0: Yep. That's common sense. I, I'm, I think my thing for 2019 is the first lens I'm looking at anything through is the common sense lens. What makes the most sense here for my customer? Does it make sense for me to talk to them about XYZ if they've clearly told me that their problem is ABC? It makes even if the sales script says so, does it make sense for me to do that? Or should I exercise common sense and speak to this person, whether it's internally or externally, with some damn common
1: sense and and, you know? Because then I think there's a fear of disappointment there. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think people are so afraid, and this is very evident. When you, look at, when you look at this, right? How often does this actually ring and it's a cold caller? It's pretty rare, yeah. you know? You're much more likely to get a template on LinkedIn or uh, an email template in your inbox. And yep. I, I can't stress enough the fact that we've, it's, it's so ironic, we've built so many ways to communicate with each other, right? Hangouts, in inbox, um, Slack, text messages, uh, web pages, right? We're, we're just trying to communicate better. And in the process, we forgot how to connect with one another.
0: Mm.
1: And that's, that's, a, that's a sad state of affairs when you look at society as a whole. It affects businesses directly because the big companies that are out there didn't become giant companies because they minimized the number of employees they have. Mm. They became giant companies because they hired as many as they could afford and then they gave yeah. them the skills they needed to get the return on investment from that hire.
0: Yeah. That's why it always makes me laugh when people talk about sales, uh, salespeople losing their job to artificial intelligence. No, 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 no. You, you, you have that wrong because the art of having a human connection with somebody else is actually going to be much more valuable as all of this automation gets implemented and you start talking to less and less human beings through whatever process you're going through by the time you get to that human being they better be a damn good conversationalist able to do whatever needs to get done to finish the That's thing right, right? That's right. so I'm, position yourself mentality. as that yeah i know i have the same mentality yeah yeah position yourself as the as the pilot of the ai not not a victim of it
1: yeah, right? I, you know, I, I think, so AI has its place. I just don't think that place is in the relationships that we build. I, that think, no. No. I think that place is somewhere else. Where it is, you know, I, I, I suppose that's probably a point of contention. People probably have different perspectives on that. That's but
0: probably a whole other episode.
1: Probably. I would say you're probably right. I, in the end, I feel like what will happen is that salespeople that perform will stay in the sales industry. Salespeople that rely on AI to do their job for them aren't gonna make it.
0: No. You know, because
1: because in the end, what you have is a need to connect. And we've avoided conversation for far too long. For the last decade, we've been sending emails, we've been reaching out on social, sending private messages, we've been sending snail mail in the freaking mail like i can't even believe i still get mail i can't believe it <laughs> that's like asking like when why don't you send them a letter well when was the last time you bought a cd yeah right it's the same you're like what are you talking about that's Arcane. day I never get it
0: well and what's ironic about all of that is that the most effective is always the conversation there are you know stories upon stories that I have about times where I was trying to get an answer or get uh, accomplish something via email and then it's that first time I get them on the phone call all of it's taken care of within five minutes we are completely clear everything's better than it would have ever been if I had written anything down and and that's the key and and avoiding that as a mistake Um, and so as as I look at the clock here uh, we've got about five minutes left so we've covered a lot of ground and I think one of the things that I, I can kind of pull from it is really just, you're on a journey to empower salespeople. You're on a journey to help cut out some of those mistakes that, that you and I probably made early on in our careers. Yeah. And so it sounds like with ring lead, that's definitely a big, part of your continuing journey on that path. So,
1: so tell people how they can get in touch with you. I, I like phone calls. I'd rather have a phone call than an email. So my direct line is 305-632-6005. If you wanna talk about how your data in Salesforce directly affects the sales that your salespeople make, that's a conversation I wanna have. If you have duplicate records in Salesforce, that's a problem, let's talk about that. And you can always email me anytime, Jay Buckley at ringlead.com.
0: And so the last question that I ask everybody that comes on the lunch break podcast is what's your favorite place to eat lunch?
1: My favorite place to eat lunch is a place that I used to cook at. It's called Gracie's fine home cooking. It's in Maryville, Tennessee. Um, It's a small diner caters mostly to senior citizens, but the food is fantastic and it's always homemade, fresh, hot food. It's all made to order. So there's no way to get old French fries, for example. Mm -hmm. Never had a bad meal there. The staff is down home country staff. And I'll tell you, it's probably the best country experience you'll ever have.
0: Well, I am going to, at the very least, if I do nothing else with this podcast, publish a list of all of the places that people have, have, have talked about being their favorite. And I'll tell you one thing, that is probably gonna be one of the first places that I go to because <laughs> I I think I probably told you this before, but I, I was born in Bristol, Tennessee. And so yeah. I have a very clear understanding of the way that you guys get down with, with <laughs> you know, country country cooking. And so I think that's that's probably gonna to climb to the top of the list. James, I, I really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. and And anybody out there, I can tell you from experience, reach out to James, whether, whether it's for your Salesforce issues or your sales cycle issues or your sales life issues. James is a great resource. I feel very fortunate to be connected with him and, and to have had him on this show. So with that, I will wrap up this episode of the Lunch Break Podcast.